0: The Corner Table is brought to you by the CAP Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin Madison campus. You can find tickets at CAPTimesIdeaFest.com.
1: You might have time to cook one night a week. You might have time to throw something together another night. Maybe a Thursday or a Friday night, you thought you were going to be home, but you found out something better to do so so the farm to freezer meal is is a meal that helps us capture the harvest of the season in a way that allows for flexibility in when you enjoy it and if something comes up in life you can just toss it in the freezer use it when you need it
0: the Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. In preparation for this week's chat with Christy McKenzie, I stopped by Pasture and Plenty, her new space on the near west side. I was expecting a little lunch counter, but instead, I found this bright open space with lots of natural light, and even better, a menu that highlighted some of the 30 local farms they're working with for produce and protein. It was such a nice surprise. I am your host, Cap Times food writer, Lindsay Christians. Chrissy McKenzie calls what she's doing at Pasture & Plenty CSA 2.0. They started making take-home chicken dinners and meal kits that include that something you can pop right into your freezer. And now they've added a cafe along with wine dinners and more events to come. Their tagline is Local Love. Give a listen. Welcome, Christy. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. You have a brand new, beautiful uh, food business oh. over on the Near West Side. Thank
1: you. Yes,
0: I stopped in the other day. It's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. It's been a lot of work
1: the last ten months to get the get the building. Uh, renovated and back open.
0: And you've been kind of doing a soft opening, right?
1: Yes, we have. So we opened the doors really quietly about three weeks ago. Um, It seemed like every time I put a date on the calendar for an opening event, the roof would spring a leak or um, drywall repair wouldn't happen for, for two weeks or just, you know, remodeling old building issues.
0: When I first read about Pasture and Plenty, it was about the meal kits and things that people could like pick up and bring home. Yes. Um and then you were you were doing some stuff with Constant on the Square with like box dinners, I guess. Yes. Um so when I went in there, I thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought it was going to be like a a counter or something, and it's so much more than that. It's uh. like like beautiful open <laughs> space and like a gorgeous like demo kitchen in the back and like lovely like white tile and lots of light and oh, I thought, "Oh, Maybe I'll stay here <laughs> and just to have a glass of wine and some food. So, well, that's exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how that evolved, because you've been around for a little bit, but sure, it was different than what I expected. Sure. So when we um, when we put together
1: the concept for the space um, and how it would bring people together around um, local food and and um, provide people different ways to connect with local food. We wanted a a space that would be flexible, that could serve our meal kit business, which is um, really robust. We're supporting about 30 local farms and ranches and preparing three meals a week for more than 100 households um, in the the community and growing pretty quickly. so that's happening out of our kitchens, but we also wanted people to be able to connect with kind of everyday, convenient um, farm-to-table eating in a beautiful setting. So, so we have um, kind of a deli and market where you can ha- grab and go overnight oats. You can grab and go chia pudding. Um, you can find beautiful wraps, sandwiches, soups. Um, but then we're also we also have sort of a simple cafe menu. So if you want to come in and sit um, and enjoy time there, hang out on Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and enjoy the space you can. Um, we we have this incredible building that's on the corner of Highland and University that was originally a Rennovam's pharmacy, and and it had a lunch counter. So it it was originally built as. Um, as a hub to serve people's everyday needs, and and we're hoping to do the same
0: with the food business that we've got. Are you getting a lot of folks coming in from the hospital? We do,
1: yeah. We're we're in that great crossroads, so we get people who are commuting in and out um, of the neighborhood for their work. We're um, seeing people who are working at the university, at the VA hospital, at University Hospital. We're feeding a lot of residents <laughs> um, and and other students um, who who are looking for healthful ways to fuel themselves. Um, and feel good about doing something that's convenient.
0: Tell me about those 30, far- 30 farms. That's <laughs> that's a full time job just doing that to like work with that many different it sort is. of individuals and and um...
1: yeah, there is a lot of complexity in working with um, that diverse of supply chain. There are a lot of weeks where the the way that communication works with the farmers is that we hear they have. Fifty pounds of eggplant, they need to figure out what to do with. They they have two hundred pounds of kale that has to come out of the ground before the thunderstorm hits, uh, whatever it might be. And and we give a, a pathway to market for that. So for a lot of farms that we work with, um, they're smaller scale, um, and and we're able to be really responsive to what what they have. Um, um, coming to harvest. And um, then also, you know, being in our second year now, we're, we're beginning to be able to plan ahead and work with farmers to say, um, we can use this many pounds of broccoli, that we can use this many pounds of sweet potatoes through the winter. Um, and it's it's really exciting to be able to support our farms, our local farms, and having um, one more kind of stable uh, kind of market path
0: Tell me about how the meal kits work, because when I hear meal kit, I think Blue Apron or something similar, but you're also doing, like, farm-to-freezer stuff. So talk a little bit about that plan.
1: So when we um, came up with the the model for our meal kit, we really wanted to create something that reflected the way— real households, real active households work, which is you might have time to cook one night a week. You might have time to throw something together another night, maybe a Thursday or a, a Friday night. You thought you were going to be home, but so, you found out something better to do. So so, so ha, um, the farm to freezer meal is, is a meal that helps us capture the harvest of the season in a way that allows for flexibility in when you enjoy it. And if something comes up in life, you can just toss it in the freezer, use it when you need it.
0: That is how I also live. <laughs> well, I think about like I, I get I get to the market and I see all this beautiful produce or things right. that I wanna make and I get especially this time of year, I get yeah. so excited. I'm like, oh yeah. look at all the different kinds of eggplant. Oh yes. Um but then I'll want to do something on Friday night, but there's a wine tasting at Square that I want to do. Or, right. you know, I just I feel like pizza. Life happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'll end up cooking it or making it or whatever right. on Saturday afternoon for lunch or yeah. something. And you just yeah. you have that flexibility with it. Yeah, exactly.
1: And for me, too, uh, Tony, my husband and I um, have always had a two job household, um, sometimes more. <laughs> and um, with that and then adding kids, um, the reality of the schedule. We love to cook, and and I would love to have the time to make homemade lasagna, make homemade pot pies, to to really, you know, to break down a farm box every day. But when, when we were living that, we were finding that we had a lot of food waste. So even though we had a, a beautiful farm box coming every week and the best intentions of getting to everything, um, we, we found that we were doing a lot of scrambling to throw it all into a soup at the end of the week or, or do something to save it um, before it ended up in our compost. And so so for me, it was it's almost like CSA 2.0. It's how, how do you support the same farms that you you want to support, but in a, a, in a pace and, and a, at a level of convenience that um, helps minimize that waste and kind of maximize the impact that you can have.
0: It makes so much sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks. <laughs> all I can think about is just the cabbages, like cabbage. I or like the amount of corn, and I love share boxes for that reason. Be like, yeah. okay, so there's just two of us. Well, I'm going to take four corns and give you all the rest. Yes,
1: and there's so many great. Um, the CSAs are being so flexible with that, doing quarter shares or half shares yes. or every other week shares. So there are tons of great solutions for it. Ours is just, you know, it's another way. And um, and what we're finding is that people are are complementing that other farmers market direct you know farm relationship or direct buying that they're doing with our type of service to help make their lives easier
0: so because you're working with so many farms and you're working super seasonally it strikes me that you wouldn't necessarily be able to say to the families that you're doing three meals a week for you're gonna have xyz you it has to be more flexible than that. I would imagine, <laughs> sure. right?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great um, it's a great riddle to figure out how to help people understand um, what they can rely on and what they can plan for, um, but at the same time have that flexibility. So so we um, right now we're writing menus um, in in kind of the week before the the meal kit delivery happens. Um, you get an email on Friday, so you know what's coming the next week. That helps you do your shopping and and plan for the other meals that you have. Then you get a reminder on Sunday nights, and um, that helps you, you know, recall to put together the leftover Pyrex and empty glassware that comes back to us and um, uh, be ready for
0: your delivery. So what is your staffing like? Do you, Like, what kind of positions do you have? that are yeah. working with because it sounds like it's not really quite like a restaurant but yeah it
1: is um so it's it's like a hybrid I guess between um kind of catering and food service and and restaurant so we have um an executive chef Nate Carney a sous chef um uh Jack Hugh and um a whole team of kitchen and prep cooks who are working in the kitchen and we had um uh it's been really fun because they they bring a diverse set of skills in and um, uh, kind of a fine dining or, or uh, more kind of classic French um, culinary training to thinking about larger scale production. So tons of com- of diverse recipes, um, international flavors. Um, so lovely tikka masala, incredible lasagnas, um, risotto and grain dishes. Um, uh They've done hot pots and um, and pho, so Vietnamese inspired. So you get a great um, diversity of of um, flavors in in the meal kits that are coming. And what we're finding is that we have a lot of families who are loving um, that they're being pulled to try things that they've never tried before. And um, but at the same time, you know, there's still meatballs and super family friendly dishes that that complement kind of helping people explore as, as they're, you know, still being satisfied with things that they might find a little more accessible.
0: Those things all absorb a lot of vegetables too, which I think is nice when you talk about a (laughs) a curry or um, a lasagna, even like you can put all kinds of things in a lasagna. So have you gotten feedback of things that people really loved that surprised Um, you? you know, there hasn't been any specific thing that's been surprising,
1: but more just how open people are, I think, to exploring the world of flavors that we're, we're putting in the meal kits. You know, we, we thought for a while, do we, do we need to have a family favorites or like more of an American style um, meal kit menu in complement to the more adventuresome um, menus that we, that we can put out? But what we're finding is that people are, are finding them more approachable.
0: Corner Table is sponsored by the Cap Times Idea Fest, an event with an exciting lineup of guests, including David Axelrod. The fest is in Madison on September 28th and 29th. You can find tickets at captimesideafest.com. So what's your background? Do you come out of restaurant culture? Uh, A little bit, a little bit more on the
1: business side now, but I, I cooked my way through school, um... Uh, in kitchens, uh, was lucky to work with Odessa Piper at um, La Toile and roll pastries and do a little bit of um, cafe prep work. When I was in college, I um, worked as a demonstration um, cook and prep cook, kind of support cook out at Sub Zero and Wolf. Worked at the specialty counter at Whole Foods, so learned a lot about coffee and cheese and um, chocolate, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> and um, and then moved more into into business. I worked with recipes.com in Seattle for about 10 years and moved then into um, sponsorships and advertising that that wrapped around the, the food content.
0: How did you decide to open Pasture and Plenty?
1: Well, I guess, you know, ever since I was working in kitchens when I was young, I thought about starting a food business. And um, I I studied uh, rural sociology in college, which now is called community and environmental social. And my focus was on food systems and local community um, development and um, uh, really coming back to this is, is coming back to or starting this is coming back to um, what I always thought I would do with my life. And um, I had a major medical event a couple of years ago that put me on the couch, we'll say. And, and as I was staring at the seal and recovering, I thought, gosh, if I am not doing what I feel like I'm meant to be doing, I should get to work. So um, this, is, this for me is uh, uh, getting to what I have always felt like I should be doing.
0: There are dinners that you're doing. Um, I know that you've done some other, like, outreach and, like, interactive kinds of things. So for me,
1: you know, putting together this local food business is more than just um, uh, helping people eat well. It's also about being out in the community, creating relationships, helping Grow this network of people who are engaged in in local food culture and supporting local food business. So um, we were lucky to pop up at the Good Day Market a few weeks ago. Uh, we have a beautiful farm dinner um, planned for Saturday night at Still Point Flower Farm. Um, the Molinas are, have been great partners out there. Um, we are. Um, working on a cooking class schedule and um, wine dinners um, for our shop. We've got a beautiful demonstration kitchen that's that's kind of ready for fun. We, we built it as a um, kind of a blank slate so that people could consider it a community resource for food events and um, maybe trying out concepts that they haven't had space for before.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, the demo kitchen looked really neat. Oh, thank you. And it's just it's right there as part of the the dining yeah. area, which is really cool.
1: And I was inspired by that. Um, the design of all recipes um, offices had the kitchen at the heart, and and it was this incredible space. It was also for recipe testing and events. It was it was part of the everyday, you know, heating up your lunch and having conversations about um, uh, life and food and. If you always think about like the kitchen becomes the space where the party always goes, right? So <laughs> for me the the kitchen serves um, a lot of purposes for our business. So there's space for our meal kits to be tested like they would in a home kitchen. Um, it provides a, a space to get together and do those cooking classes or have a studio for um, food photography. So we're hoping we're hoping a lot of people come in and use it in different
0: ways. That's really cool. You're still sort of in progress of like... Fully building out the space, right? There, is there still some stuff that's in the works? Yes. So we do have uh, some areas of the
1: building that we're still working on. Um, the basement hasn't been redeveloped or refinished yet. We're hoping to create some more processing space there, some more refrigeration. Um, as you can imagine, you you find your your edges pretty quickly when you're um, working in a new space. So um, uh, we're supported by a bi local, by Wisconsin grant to develop more value added products and to um, work on our uh, farm to freeze products. And so we need a little more space for that. We have uh, the old sushi box dining room, which will be a community room um, and a space for private dining and, um, you know, planning some work with a local artist to put a mural on the wall on Highland. And so
0: there's some ex and, and a, a kitchen garden. So there's some exterior work and some in- interior work still left to do. When you mentioned farm to freezer, I, I'm thinking about how you hear a lot from farmers, especially during harvest, how one of the barriers for them is, you know, I've got all this beautiful squash in my field. You know, maybe can get some gleaners to come and get it. But then like what becomes of it? Yeah. Um, and Chris Brockle with Healthy Food for All has has talked about sort of this need um, to have more basically value added like processing muscle and resources behind these things and cooler space is a big one but also just like people being willing to say i'll take those tomatoes and turn them into salsa and maybe you know charge the farmer a small fee for doing that but then they can sell that and they can have this extra sort of resource for some of that produce so
1: you know there's a local um uh food business owner laurel um who owns ugly apple who has this great model she's she's doing that she's gleaning she's creating uh, a space and um uh, both for her food cart and then um, in food processing to create jams and other things um uh, gleaning the fields and taking those seconds and doing something with them um, that, of course, honors the, all the work that goes into growing them, but also the potential um, that they have and, and so saving them from the waste stream. There's so much um, there's so much waste in the American food system. And so part of our meal kit model, of course, helps attack that, you know, preparing foods that are of the, of the portions that you need for the week and um, helping minimize waste in people's homes. Um, And then also creating space for us to be able to work with farmers to catch those things and make something of them before they might end up, you know, back in the land, (laughs) like tilled back in. Um, So, so there's there's a ton of potential. There the you know there's a a balance right. There's there's a lot of investment that goes into having the infrastructure for a processing facility and the the hands um, available to get the work done, and then of course the warehousing that you mentioned to be able to hold the food, uh, either freeze it or or store it in some way, and um, doing that at. A scale that is sustainable is something that we're really working hard to understand. Um, there are a lot of larger processors that can only handle, um, you know, three truckloads worth of piece. It's not worth them even starting up their frozen pro- food processing line unless you have a certain level of scale. Um, and then there's also that. Then there's the kind of more boutique side, which is, you know, you can handle small batches of things, but not necessarily this middle. So we're looking at that network of. Other businesses who are like-minded, who um, also have a similar need, or have the, ha, have set up their own capacity to do this. So, talking about those kind of co-packing relationships, um, which make all of our businesses stronger. It's you know working within this regional economy to figure out, you know, how do we how do we do this in a smart way, and um, in a way that that allows us to love the food but not over love, <laughs> and and do it in a way that
0: that wouldn't be good business. Yeah. Yeah. How can people find you? What are your hours? And how can they sort of... Engage with this beautiful food. So we
1: are open for meal kit pickup and delivery on Mondays from 3.30 to 7 at the corner of Highland and University. We are open. um, The Market and Deli is open from 6.45 in the morning until 7 at night, Tuesday through Friday. We've got our uh, Wednesday night dinners, um, which is a seasonal menu, always has a delicious roast chicken um, as the centerpiece or uh, a lovely vegetarian main and then rotating kind of seasonal um, sides, I would say. We're we're plant-based and pasture-raised. So we're putting together menus that really showcase the harvest that's coming in. And then we're we're hoping to open on Saturdays coming soon. We have other events if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, or just keep an eye out on our events page at pastureandplenty.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: corner table a podcast about food and drink in madison wisconsin produced by the capital times our music was composed by patrick christians you can find out more about pasture and plenty on our website as well as other food related stories i recently reviewed tin fox on monroe street and i did a story about how restaurants recover from disaster those are all up on captimes.com right now subscribe to the corner table on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts I'm your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. Inspired by my stop at Pasture and Plenty, my wish for you this week is a piece of focaccia with good olive oil and herbs on top. Cheers! The Corner Table has been brought to you by the Cap Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. You can find tickets at captimesideafest.com.